at a point where there is a dichotomy between those who can afford healthy food and those who can't. How did we get here? Innovation, marketing, technology, corporations, sugar. Let's see. A housewife born in 1925, living in a suburban tract house in 1950, did not grow up surrounded by electric technology. Her mother may have had a fridge, but it didn't have a freezer with a separate door. It didn't come in a rainbow of colors. She didn't have five or six small appliances sitting on her countertop. The modern 1950s kitchen included an electric range, refrigerator, freezer, dishwasher, washer and dryer, and an assortment of small appliances like skillets, mixers, blenders, etc. Consumers could even buy a rate-a-range microwave oven in the 1950s, though few did due to the exorbitant cost. It's very different from the Amazon Alexa microwave nowadays, which sells for under $100. Many of these appliances were marketed with cookbooks to teach women how to use them. Post-World War II economic prosperity encouraged conspicuous consumption. Processed foods, easily and quickly assembled into meals, using those electric appliances became standard fare. Grocery bills went up as women happily purchased more and more convenience foods. Food company marketing materials assured women that their products were both high quality and healthy. Moms like you choose Jeff. Which is, by the way, made from roasted peanuts and fully hydrogenated vegetable oils, mono and diglycerides, molasses, sugar, and salt when all you really need are peanuts and salt, or just peanuts. Anyway, products like Tupperware, Saran Wrap, and GE refrigerators encouraged saving and repurposing leftovers, claiming that the savings offset the higher price of processed packaged food. Most of that just came from the National Women's History Museum with a few of, obviously, my opinions inserted. A few thoughts on this and why I'm thinking about it. We have come to think about shelf-stable food as a good value because it doesn't expire for ages and it's cheap, especially when you're facing a pandemic and you need to stock up on canned goods. I get it. But so much of our attitudes toward what we buy, especially food, is shaped by marketing. We have an obesity epidemic in the U.S. because we eat calorie-dense, nutrient-poor, cheap food, and we can put a lot of the blame on marketing of food stuff. I thought about this as I paid $97 for a 30-day supply of a certain supplement powder, which, based on my research, is the best one available. And it's not meant to replace whole foods, but to supplement, because some days it's hard to get in all the nutrients. I'm not going to name the brand. It's on my Instagram if you want to go check, but this isn't an ad, so I'm not going to promote that particular company. It's crazy that I would even question spending 100 bucks for a good-tasting powder that has 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that are carefully selected for potency and bioavailability. It's better than a pill-based supplement. It's manufactured in New Zealand with strict analytical and biological testing to the highest quality standards. A tiny fraction of the food we produce in the U.S. meets those standards. We've been programmed by marketers, my profession, to equate low cost with a good deal. But who benefits from that mindset? And where else can you apply that in everything that you consume? 